0: Thanks for joining us on the HFS Podcast as a Service. This week, we're talking with Phil First to go behind the headlines on Automation Will Trim 1.4 Million Global Services Jobs by 2021, which is new research from HFS that shows the true impact of automation on job creation and elimination in the global IT services and BPO industry. So let's join the discussion. So Phil, anytime I see a headline like automation will trim 1.4 million global services jobs by 2021, I pay attention. So why is it an issue now? And and why has this become a trend?
1: Yeah, um, well, firstly, 1.4 million jobs in industry close to 16 million isn't quite as dramatic as it all sounds. I think it's like a 9% decrease over a five year period. But the bigger issue here is that the industry around services for IT and business processes was really built up in the last two decades on labor arbitrage, which was the ability to centralize and move work to sometimes lower cost locations. And they could be onshore, uh, they could be offshore, they could be near shore. And now what's evolving is a lot of the low hanging fruit to make savings through labor arbitrage has um, now dried up. A lot of companies have done pretty much as much of it as they can. And to get that next wave of value, they need to look at transforming uh, processes and doing work more efficiently. So that's really the bigger issue at play here. And we've reached that point and there's more technology and capability available to do things more efficiently. So that's really um, you know sort of the underlying current that, that is driving the conversation.
0: So what sectors and and what regions are going to be impacted? So in
1: terms of sectors it's really in the kind of white-collar office jobs or of, some people call them swivel chair where there are technology platforms and tools available today that are able to mimic manual-based processes Um, into pieces of software, kind of like a recording, which uses objects for process flows and things like that. And you can actually start to streamline processes which have manual breakpoints and make them run digitally and electronically. And it goes further than that. It's even sometimes just taking manual paper-based processes and putting them into a digital format. So this whole drive to becoming a more digital organization is forcing companies not just to look at the front end of digital, which is the omni-channel and the customer experience, but how can that back office support that? So you can't really be a digital organization if you haven't automated um, the underbelly uh, of your processes and that sort of thing. So that's been driving a lot of this. And the sectors which are being, I think, mostly impacted are those which have high throughput, high intensity, fairly transactional routine processes that require a lot of automation fixing. And those are obviously IT, where there's an awful lot of human labor goes into writing code, doing instance response, doing support calls, and some of the sort of routine activity there. A lot of that is being automated quite aggressively, and that's probably the most mature and advanced of the areas. But behind that, we've got a lot of business processes, like finance and accounting, when we get into things like invoice processing, collections, even record-to-report processes, where there's a lot of manual paperwork a lot of repeatability of process, we're seeing a lot more activity in play there. Um, That obviously gets us into which maybe countries are being affected. And it's those regions which are supporting the broad scale outsourcing of IT, finance and accounting, other elements of BPO, like call center work, like insurance claims work, like life sciences work, things like that, back office fulfillment, HR and recruiting. So you have to look at regions like India, The Philippines, they're probably the two biggest outsourcing regions. Then you can get into Latin American countries as well, which will be impacted by this. Obviously, other regions supporting Western organizations like in China are being affected as well. And then look onshore. Look at the UK, which has well over a million call center employees today. Look at the US, which has a thriving call center BPO business, particularly in areas like the Midwest and that sort of thing. So um, this is going to be a broadly impacted issue it's already started, it's already in play, and this is only going to become more talked about over the next three to five years.
0: So what can a person, what can a country, what can uh, an industry or a company do to prepare for this?
1: Well, I, I think the first thing is to look at the type of work that's being eliminated, but also the new work that is being created and try and figure out how can you get the right balance between the two. Now, there's always going to be a need for the lower end routine processing work that is required. But we do think that about 30% of those jobs in India, for example, will just be eliminated over the next five years. And it's not that they're just going to be eliminated today. People aren't going to hire for these positions anymore. Companies who say we need to go and do more claims processing, we need to have more people helping us to do our processing of claims, they're not going to go out and look to hire another 50 people. They're going to say, how do we get a better automated system in place and maybe hire five people to run that system? So technology is really changing the game here. And so the focus has to be on the change of skills and requirements of skills that companies are looking for as the whole situation evolves. And you can look at the shift um, into things like more complex problem solving, more critical thinking, more creativity, more people management and more collaboration as elements where we need to get workers thinking today. And I think when we look at businesses in a few years' time, it's all converging around data. So how do you orchestrate, manage, and understand data? And it's all becoming around human collaboration. And so it's looking at the skill sets of people, making sure that they know how to work on the job more effectively, collaborate more effectively, co-create more effectively, and get close to the clients. So when we look at the big services industry, which is the 1.4 million jobs, which um, we've been talking about here, we have to figure out how do we make those workers more critical to their clients today? How do we make it so those clients do not want those positions eliminated? How do we make them add more value? And part of that is through trying to forge better partnerships with them. It's partly through trying to find out how can we train staff to be more collaborative? How do we look for skills that can be acquired on the job and not just come through experience? So companies today, a lot of them say we don't particularly want somebody who's been doing the same thing the same way for 20 to 30 years. We want somebody who can come in with a whole new perspective and do things in a different way. So you're not necessarily looking for somebody with years and years and years of experience. You're looking for somebody with that ability to learn on the job, to to be able to tackle problems, um, have more cognitive flexibility, and, and just start to think in a more kind of broader, more orthogonal way with how they approach their jobs. And I think this is an issue which isn't just companies need to do this. It's society. It's education. It's as we look at our universities and and how we're getting them aligned with our businesses. Are they bringing out students with the right skill sets today? So let's take an example of India. They've done a fantastic job in aligning with universities so they can bring out armies of college kids who are very good at ABAP programming, for example, and things like that. Are those skills still relevant in the future? If the demand for these skills are shrinking, then they've got to focus on how do they bring out people with the skills where the work is being created. Because the digital economy is creating the need for people who can work with data, can work with people, and think more creatively. And we just have to produce graduates and students with that capability. But not only that, we need to look at people in their mid-career and say, what about those people who have been in a company for 20 to 30 years doing one thing one way? How do they change, right? And that's probably a harder issue to solve than the issue with students and colleges. How do you help the mid-career person, maybe aged between 35 and 55, figure out, we've got to be working for another 20, 30 years. We have to become a student again. We have to start to approach our job differently. We have to rethink everything we do about our professional development. And that, I think, is something which we haven't quite got all the answers for yet. Um, And enterprises are starting to deal with it. Natural economics will, will, will have an impact as well. But I also think it's something we're grappling with as a society, and I don't think we've had the end of this conversation just yet,
0: Mark. Definitely. It's a societal issue that you know this uh, research is kind of a microcosm or a harbinger of the future for the economy as a whole.
1: Yes. And I think when we look back to 2008, there was a huge banking financial crisis in the world, and we, we kind of found a way to fix that. Um, whether we did it the right way or not, I think history will eventually tell us, right? Uh, but I do think we're now in 2016, we're moving into a political uh, crisis where we have governments leading countries who are clearly out of touch with the voice of the uh, common worker and the people. And you can see what's going on in the in the US with a very contentious election taking place, the issue with Brexit over in the UK where there was clearly a stand made against the establishment. And so I do think um, we are looking at really big societal issues here around how do we get nations investing better in education, in jobs in the future, and things like the automation of office work, when you start to look at numbers like one, two, three million jobs under threat, suddenly that becomes a big political hot potato. And what it's doing is it's highlighting the bigger fundamental issues in play here, which is creating work, um, retraining workforces for jobs of the future. You know, we, we made the shift from, coal mining and low-end manufacturing to white-collar work and electronic work. Now we're moving into this digital economy. How do we truly create jobs around data, around human collaboration, around complex problem solving, around design thinking? And that's where I think there's probably a lot more questions and answers right now.
0: Great. Thanks, Phil. And everyone can view this research at hfsresearch.com. In addition, you can browse all of our research and after a quick registration, view most of it for free. Thanks for listening to the HFS Podcast as a Service. We'll see you next time.